Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barra Show. I am your host, Kim Barra, and on today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Andrew Gawson, who's going to be sharing with us all things scaling big. That's right, he scaled to be what is be known as one of the biggest, if not the biggest, online fitness, um, high ticket fitness sales businesses in the world, and also launched his own uh, coaching arm as well. Completely different business, Training Fit Pros, how he does it. So if you want to learn about scale, what things to do, what things not to do, all that jazz, this is the episode for you. And of course, if we can help you scale with marketing your business, head over to marketingmogul.com.au. But until then, let's jump into the show. Mr. Andrew, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate you making the time. No problems. Now, I always like to start the podcast off the same way every time, which is if I met you at a party and we were chatting away and I said, Andrew, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Well, I help fit pros um, build online businesses um, in the fitness space, uh, just like we have ourselves pretty much. Nice. And then so people are going to be like when they hear that, like, oh, you're one of those like coachy guys who coach other coachy guys. Like, do you even have a real business in the in the fitness space? I mean, like, what, what, what do you even do? Yeah, well, that's it. I think that that's the thing that differentiates us from the rest of the space is that we actually have our own high ticket fitness space. You know, like I guesstimate that we're probably the biggest high fitness business in high ticket fitness business in the world. Um, I probably, you know, I don't necessarily shout that out the first thing I say at the party, but, you know, because we've got that, we're able to help fit pros more than anybody else is. Yeah, exactly, because you guys see so much more data. And as you say, I, I would probably hazard a guess. I don't think there's many more people, there's many people at all which would hit the same sort of numbers that that you guys do on a, on a weekly basis, let alone on a monthly basis, um, because you guys are really across it all. So, what made you want to make the trip? Because obviously you're doing a phenomenal job in delivering high ticket um, online fitness. What made you then go, hmm, let me go and train up all my competitors to be able to do a similar sort of thing? Well, the first thing is I don't really think there's that much competition in the space because the world has 6 billion people, right? Um, so there's plenty of money to be made from everybody. And I always feel that we're on top of the game as well. It's like, you know, at any point in time, we're spending a huge amount of money on ads. So if we spend 30 grand a week on women who have thyroid problems every single week for a long period of time in Australia only, I'm aware that the market's so much bigger than people actually think. And of course, that hit a saturation point at one, at, 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 you know, at one point. So what we then do is we go, okay, well, we're going to go into fit over 50. We're going to go into menopause. We're going to go fit over 45, fit over 40, diabetes, whatever it is. There's just so much opportunity out there. And then take away that, like, an online business has location. All of a sudden, you're in the UK, Ireland, the United States, Canada, wherever you want to go. Like, online business allows you to do that. And I think that's one of the, the big points that you make there because a lot of people, and um, we recently had our mastermind, we had Brad Sugars on. So he came and joined us and was talking to us about the expansion of Action Coach and how they, how they grew. And one of the big things was that um, a lot of Aussie business owners think that Australia is the be all and end all. And he's like, it's actually the hardest market because it is so small, what, what have you kind of found expanding into those overseas markets? What have you guys kind of learned from, from that expansion? 
Well, the first thing about the Australian market is that's very it's quite unique to other markets in that we have quite a high standard of living. Middle class is huge. So when we put out a $2,000 product, a very large percentage of people can actually afford that. When you go over to, say, the United States or the UK, both have such a great wealth divide that you actually need to be far, far tighter on your advertising and marketing. So what happens is leads are super expensive on the front end in Facebook ads, but when we get people on a call to close them, they're far more willing to buy. When we're talking about what happens in the United States, it's... You know, it's a world apart because you have to have really, really solid targeting. You need to find the right people because there's so many people that you've got to disqualify. So when we get people on the phones, most of the times then it's a harder close. And we've just found like it's a numbers game, right? It's like we found for us that we get a higher ROI in Australia than the rest of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not more money to make elsewhere. It just simply means that we've refined our skills the most in Australian marketing. And as you say, it's like, obviously, you still would be getting some form of ROI in the others, but the Australia is always going to be higher. And it's always interesting when you kind of expand into those new audiences. And I was speaking to someone before where they were getting um, ridiculously cheap leads in the UK, but just not like the closing rate was really, really hard for them versus like they're from America. And they were like, oh, but, you know, we want to go in the UK because it's so much cheaper but they were like well but you, you all your sales come from America so it's like just because you get a cheap lead doesn't mean that it's going to uh, equate to you know more sales at the end of the day yeah and I think this is where it comes down to actually knowing every single number in your business right and I know I've been guilty of that in the early days of it, um, business but you know had a sensational mentor who made me track every single piece of data and when you're actually tracking things like not only, okay, well, what's the cost per click, but the cost per message conversation or the cost per opt-in on your landing page, the cost per phone call, the cost per close and sales and client, and then the lifetime value of that customer, you know, all of a sudden you're taking leaps and bounds because when you know that those numbers, you're able to make logical decisions rather than emotional decisions and know where you're making money. Mm, I think that's very important is removing that emotion from and just being cool. Like the data is what the data is. You can't really put lipstick on that pig it's like if it's if it's ugly it's 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 ugly for a reason and then you know you have to go and actually fix something absolutely and now you mentioned obviously the the uh, a few of the different um not, not necessarily niches that you guys work with but a few of the different online markets early with the fit over 50s and, and things like that with some people going oh like i don't know if that you know that portion of the population is online how have you guys found really targeting probably what would be a somewhat older demographic on on platforms like Facebook, Instagram uh, versus, you know, the, the, the 30-year-olds that everyone seems to want to try and fight over. Yeah. I think it's, it's really, really interesting because you'll hear a lot of people say things like, oh, you know, like over 55s um, aren't on YouTube, for example, or aren't on Instagram. And then you'll say, you know, young people aren't on Facebook anymore. But that sort of stuff, it actually doesn't matter because there's still an audience segment on there. And this comes back to knowing your numbers again. You just need to know your cost per acquisition. And there could be a reverse scenario where, you know, no one's targeting 55-year-olds on Facebook. And what we're able to do is launch all of our ads there and take advantage of the fact that other people um, aren't doing that, you know. And then, for example, you know, the over 30 market, it's extremely competitive, right? So fit over 50 for us is sensational because for some reason, People aren't marketing to that space as much, but then you go to, like, let's imagine this, let's go to 20-year-olds. Every personal trainer goes into online fitness, wants to train 20-year-olds, and they want to train 20-year-old bodybuildings. But how big is that audience size? 
that's tiny and everyone wants them. It's, you know, in terms of making money, that's, you know, financial suicide. That's very important. And so how have you then managed growing uh, what we can only assume is a purely digital team to manage and deal with all these people and grow to the level you have? So I'm assuming there's a there's a, more than a couple of people on the team at this point. Yeah, yeah. So over overall, like, you know, we've got a lot of, um, you know, an offshore team as well, but there's about 50 sort of staff. And, you know, it's run like any other business. It's like, you know, we started off really small. It was just me and my business partner, AP you know, in my um, kitchen filming videos in our pyjamas in the morning, um, trying to get clients that way. But, you know, over time, like, there's not too much difference. It's just like, okay, we have an, we have an online business, everyone works from home, and we've just employed different levels of middle, ma- middle management and tracking every single piece of data for every single person in our business so we know if they're performing or not. Yeah, that's hugely powerful. And then what about the management of onboarding that number of people into your programs because obviously once you've got an effective team working as you say when you're scaling to the numbers that you guys are scaling to at the moment and being one of the biggest high ticket um, uh, fitness businesses how do you manage then um, that process well yeah it's 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 fascinating because like you know and it's something that we've dealt with more in recent times is that as you scale like you know you start off with you know five members ten members a hundred members and now we're at two thousand members we're selling, you know, last week we sold 117 people. We've had to bring on an entire onboarding team. So that, on, that, that onboarding team is made up of three people because 117 people, they get two calls in the first week, right? And they need super, you know, when we had the coaches doing it, people would get lost, right? Wouldn't get looked after. They wouldn't get the best experience because they already had limited time. So now we've got specialists who make sure people get through that first week. So what we actually do is we have our first onboarding call, we introduce them to the tech, and then we give them a seven-day challenge, right? So that seven-day challenge is like them, you know, going every single day they're doing something different. And because they're doing one thing at a time, what happens is they generally comply because we're asking small requests every single day. Now, what happens then is we have a check-in call after those seven days to make sure they've actually completed the program. And we just found that our retention rates and the amount of people who completed our program went up by about 25% as soon as we did that. Oh, that's a, uh, that's a very big increase. So for, for those, you said you've got so three people just dedicated essentially to taking calls from, from new members to make sure that uh, they're, they're happy? Uh, one, one full-time or two part-timers, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And so obviously with that entire team running over there, pretty big you know, commitment of time, energy, and effort. Now, then you've launched and you're helping FitPros as well. So tell us, tell us a bit about like, that, that business also. Yeah, well, I think the, the fitness business side of things, that's where we really cut our teeth. And at that time, you know, that was what I was really passionate about. But then came the FitPro space. And it's like, okay, well, this is starting a complete new business totally different and you know there's always a question is why would you move away from something that's going so well and so successful and a big part of it's like you know leveling up right um you know moving into new circles building yourself bigger and it's definitely started from the beginning but you know what i'm passionate about more so than health these days is business like i eat sleep breathe love it and i love helping you know particularly fit pros grow and scale their businesses and you know what really pushes us as a team is being the best in the world. And I truly do believe that no one, there's no business coach in the world who has a fitness business as big as we do, 
or is able to help people in the way that we do because we teach people paid ads and we teach people how to scale their business. It's not just messing around where people do a bunch of organic marketing, messaging people on Facebook, trying to find a few clients. This is we teach people how to create legitimate businesses. As you as you mentioned there, obviously, like it's uh, it's it probably scratches the entrepreneurial itch for you a little bit, I suppose, by having that that other avenue to, to go into. But as well as you say, like to, to actually be effective at it, you do need to keep your like to actually be able to teach people to properly do it. You do need to have some some skin in the game from a business to do it, because otherwise, how can you say across what's happening, what's changing, and whatnot if um, if you're not actually doing? It's about being authentic, isn't it? Like, I'm sure everyone's seen the uh, typical business coach in the yellow Lamborghini driving through the streets of Miami, like the full stereotypical stuff, right? And we strive to be the absolute opposite. It's like, okay, we have done this ourselves, like as far as going, these are our numbers and willingness to even show people on the sales calls, hey, this is what we're doing. You guys just get to pretty much leverage off what we've done copy all of our systems and apply it to your niche. Had there been any different learning experiences that you've had when you started that business versus the, because um, obviously, you know, once you, you've built a really successful company on the on the high ticket um, fitness side of things, going across then to the, to the space of coaching business owners, have there been any kind of like standout learnings that you've had whilst growing that side as well? You know, I, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, but like when you coach people, you learn new things every single day. So I've become an expert in understanding what works and what doesn't because the thing is our systems are identical. Whether, you know, you're doing, you know, women's empowerment or whether, you know, and weight loss or whether you're working with bodybuilding guys, the systems that we give people, like it's like we take people through a Facebook ad, we take people through a a messenger funnel to a landing page to a sales call, right? All of that process But why is it that some people have huge, huge success and other people struggle? And, you know, what I've learned, and this is my big taking over the last short period of time, is it's all about people's brand. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the people who see your ads need to desperately, desperately love what you have. And if they love what you have, that means that they're going to buy off you. And the difference is, and again, it comes down, I like to look at everything, you know, data-driven from a mathematical equation. You can literally put a number on a brand. So if a brand is not getting, you know, cheap enough leads, it's generally as a result of what you're doing. And what we do now is we're constantly telling people to actually rebrand. I'm sure that's something you felt, again, in the marketing space when you're working with different people with marketing, right? Mm, Yeah, 100%. And it does, like, have you got any, like, tangible examples where you, like, what did you pick up from their brand where you're like, this is not going to work for this market? Because I, I know even you said just the other day, even a, uh, I think you had a page and you were like, yeah, cool, this page is, like, the results, like, suck from it. Let's change the change the branding on it. And it, it changed. So what's, what's a couple of examples of what you spotted? Yeah, I've got a really, really great example right now. Um, we have two clients in our program. Both have the identical systems that we're using that have been set up correctly. We've gone through the checking process. There is one business that is called, now we're working with uh, mums, particularly, you know, yeah, we're working with mums. Now, the first program is called the Lioness Project, right? The second business name is called the New Mama Initiative. Now, we're working with, you know, new mums, right? That's really niche. We're solving a specific problem with the business name, right? And then on the other side of things, 
we have the Lioness Project, which is really confusing. What is that? Right? It doesn't quite make sense. And this is the thing, like a lot of people will put like their personal names. I often see, I even saw one where a guy put his personal name and wrote boot camp after it and tried to sell off that. And the crazy thing that we're finding is that just by simply changing that business name makes all the difference in the world and how critical and how important it is. So people will look at your ad, they'll look at the photo, which stops them first. They're then going to look at the headline in conjunction with looking at the business page name. And those two things need to make sense. And that's the difference. Like what we had with the new Mama initiative was $2 leads versus the YNS project, which was getting $10 leads. Like this is on the front end in the Facebook ads, just purely for business, identical everything else, even the same copy. And, you know, I see that time and time again. You know, we had another example of a guy and his business name was called FU Fitness, right? FU Fitness. And it was not relating with the audience. And he was getting, he, he, he was off the planet. He was like $25 messages, mess, um, leads that just coming through. And then we changed it to fit over 40. And as boring as it may sound, it says exactly what the business is. All of a sudden, bang, he drops down to $3 messages. And it's like, okay, the importance of these small things, the brand is so critical. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And um, even when you're saying that, it's funny because like obviously when um, when when we run, we run ads for our business, Anytime that I run an ad from your social voice, I get businesses that want their ads run for them, mm. even if it's like coaching offer. But then when I change it to like the Kim, like Kim Barrett page, it's like I generally get the right type of people because it's like the your social voice aspect has always been tied into done for you advertising. So if you've seen us around long enough, you know that's what we do. So even they don't even, it's like, doesn't matter if, how long your copy is, how much information's on the next page. When the people come through, they're like, yeah, like I want to get ads done. So like, this has all been based around a coaching offer. But, like, but yeah, but I want my ads done for me. And it's like, oh gosh. So it, it, it does make a huge difference. Just that one small factor for sure. And, and I know we've, we've had some clients where they've literally just done those, as you say, those small changes. Um, for example, we used to do back in the day, a lot of just passion pages. So when events were a thing, when you could actually you know, leave your house, um, we used to run ads for ourselves and for our clients for events from a page called Australian Event Network, which just looked like it's like, oh, cool. It's a network about events. So this is an event that I will go to. And that page would always outperform. It doesn't matter if, even if it was a verified page or anything like that, it would always beat the, uh, the other page, so hands down. The same thing happened to me, like literally this morning. We've been running ads from Systems by Design, like the name of the coaching business, right? And then this morning I decided, well, why don't I just try running ads from my personal page name, like Andrew Coast? And I, I, I outperformed the business page. I was, I was really surprised. And it's just like one of these things. And we're talking, this is like today, we're talking, we've got half price leads from using my name instead of the business page name. So I'm glad you said that. And it's just like you're always learning things every single day. Yeah, 100%. And it, it does make a big difference. And so with, with that, how like... Do you, from your perspective, because some people listening, they might be like, oh, okay, cool. Well, maybe my business slash page name sucks at the moment and, and thinking about changing it. Is it just literally that or are you, go, are you recommending these guys go as crazy and they're changing like all of the, like anything on their page, all of the branding, logos, et cetera? Or is it just like, what's the minimum viable dosage to change it over and just test? No, that's the worst thing you could do. Going out and completely rebranding and spending months on end, you know, before you actually launch. You can product test this stuff. So all you do is we've, we've systemized the whole process of creating a brand within our business now. That means that 
I will drop a message to our copywriter and the copywriter will get copy back to me within one to two weeks. I will tell Manny, our tech guy, and he'll organize all those apps and the automations. I'll tell Kim, who's going to set up our business page. And then I'll, you know, oversee making sure that everything looks good at the end. Now, what we're all, the only thing that we're doing is putting out a new business page name. That's it. And a new headline for that business. And then we leave the, we, we, but that's, that, that, sorry, that would be the longer process. But what we do first, I should say, is that we just change the business page name. Um, we just change the, we, we, we just change the um, headline and then we set up that new ad. Right. And we let it run and we let it run to the old landing page and we see what the cost of messages is on the front end. Because all we're doing is we've got a hypothesis that this is going to be a good brand. So we test it with the minimal possible changes. Uh, that's all that's what I was going for. And I knew you would do that as well. Cause yeah. I hear some people, some people are probably sitting there being like, oh, I've got to rebrand my entire business now. And it's like, no, no, no. Just small, small test to, to tweak and change it and, and see what the results come through. So uh, you're literally you're literally just making a small investment to find out if something works. So like you could do that for as little as a hundred dollars and you know, you turn something on and you're like, oh my gosh, if you over 50 and then you're going, I'm getting a dollar, I'm getting a dollar conversations here. When you were getting $5 before, this has legs, bang, then you go out and try it. Yeah, perfect. I love that. It's uh, I love making it easy and simple for people, which is why I like what you guys do. Now, um, as we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question at the end of a podcast, which is, is there a question which I haven't asked you, which I should have? Mm, that's a really, that's a really good question. Got me on the spot here. Um, you, you've got a default question that you can ask me, right? Um, I never have a default question. I, I can come up with one, but I always like to hear <laughs> it's like. But if you don't have one, a question that I would ask is obviously being that you know scaling from where you were when you very first started to the point where. I mean, you said that this week's been one of the biggest weeks for your business. Like, what? Like, where did things like where did the momentum shift? And like, do you know what that point was? Yeah, yeah. So I think like when we first got into business, the real momentum shift was coming back to picking the right brand. So you know, it's got to go back to the starting point. Like, effectively, Andrew and I, when we started the business, we got really lucky. You see, I have hypothyroidism. And our very first brand was helping women who had thyroid problems. So we had this, you know, I had this extreme, extreme connection with the women that we were working with to the point where like both myself and Andrew made sales calls to the point where a lady would course, you know, we'd, we'd um, you know, call into the call and Andrew was generally doing most of the sales and they'd say, oh, which Andrew are you? And he'd say, oh, I'm Andrew Poulton. They'd be like, oh. I wanted to talk to Andrew G because I was the one who was sharing my story, right? I was the one that, you know, had gone through hypothyroidism, had gotten better and was living a normal life. And that's what they wanted. So when we first launched our business, we made $10,000 in our first week of operations. How many people can say that, that, you know, with virtually no investment, that they made $10,000 in their first week? And that for me was the big factor that changed everything because all of a sudden I transitioned from this personal trainer waking up at 5am and working till 9pm, um, you know, hating what I was doing to be able to live the life that I live now. Yeah. I love that. I think that, as you say, that's, that's important. And for most people, it, it does come down to that. It's like you have a problem that you want to solve and help people with. And, and, and that, and that is, that's important to make sure that you've got, you know, 
something behind that. You didn't start it because you wanted to, you know, just make money from these people. It was because you wanted to help, which I think is awesome. And for uh, for anyone that's listening, if they're like, cool, maybe they're a fit pro, maybe they just want to see what you're up to, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? So the best the best place, um, you can drop me a message on Facebook. That's probably the easiest. I'm always willing to have a chat. Um, we've got our own podcast as well um, called Seven Figure Fitness Business by Systems by Design. Um, you can grab that on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you want to go. Um, but easiest place is definitely just to start a chat, check out our Facebook pages and so forth, Instagram, whatever it is that you are, your favorite platform. Easy. We'll put up links to that, guys, because you never know. Andrew might change the name of them the next day, so we'll make sure that we have uh, links to those profiles so, that's, uh, so that you can get a hold of them all. And um, if you know someone who's in fitness, who's in or like who's in high ticket sales, or even if they're a coach, share this episode with them so they can hear a little bit about what Andrew's approach has been, because I think it'll be super valuable to any of you all listening. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you making the time. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.